What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 220 of the DFS MVP. I'm your host, TG Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. Back this week with your co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Uh, we are continuing our preseason journey of getting you guys prepared for the NFL season with some uh, some higher level uh, macro topics before we dive into the uh, the meat and potatoes of the DFS season. Today we're going to talk about uh, bankroll management and game selection. It is a topic that we have covered on this podcast before, but it's been quite a few years uh, since we've really dove deep into it, and it's always, I think, a, a really good topic just to, uh, to start the season on because it's one that always goes uh, overlooked. And with John being the new co-host, it's going to be nice to pick his brain on that. Uh, so, Daigle, how you doing, man? Everything's going well. The week one pod also went really well. The views are still and listens coming in. So appreciate everyone for joining us a month early. But we are nonetheless driving the train here. Yeah, and we uh, right before we started recording this, actually, I noticed that FanDuel FanDuel salaries uh, dropped for week one. So, so we'll get to touch on those a little bit next week. Uh, we we talked a little bit about some some macro topics really quickly last week, but we just ran through them. Uh, if you guys want to get caught up on on a bunch of DFS theory, you can. We have a, a ton of evergreen ta- content on the DFS Strategy Hub on 444.com. Uh, go over there, and we have a bunch of uh, old articles, uh, evergreen topics, past podcast episodes that covers all of of, uh, those topics that we've discussed before. Uh, Before we get into everything today, if you would like to get a free 444 DFS subscription, you can do so by going to 444.com slash underdog for details on how to get access to that dfs sub by depositing just ten dollars on underdog and they'll also use give you a deposit match up to a hundred dollars you must be a new underdog user that's 444.com slash underdog that link is also in the youtube uh description but let's just jump right into it uh we're going to talk about uh like i said bankroll management game selection some goal um setting things and one thing that I, starting at the top with bankroll, and John, I want to know how you approach this as well. One thing people always get wrong starting, heading into the season is the basis of like what their bankroll is and their true bankroll. The The bankroll that you have for DFS, it's not the bankroll that you have on the side. If you deposit $100 on DraftKings and $100 on FanDuel, don't manage your money based on the $100. Manage your money based on how much you plan on investing throughout the season um and we'll get into what we we mean by that um you know just depending on percentage of money in play and whatnot but for your purposes how do you typically allocate your dfs bankroll um whether it be across sites um how do you segregate it across betting in dfs kind of what's just your big ten thousand foot view of, of bankroll management the rule in stocks is sell until you sleep If you can't sleep, and usually that means you have far too much on the table than you're comfortable with. But for me, you know, we're going to talk about goal setting down the road in this show, but genuinely it just comes down to asking yourself, what are you trying to accomplish? That should be the first question. And then you set your bankroll according to that because the old school days of 80-20-10, right, were like 80% cash, probably, and by cash I mean head-to-head, 20%. 50-50s maybe, and then 10% GPPs. Like those rules to me, and again, that's long ago, but those don't even matter to me since I'm trying to really ask myself, what am I trying to do in this space? Like I'm actually trying to pay a bill. I'm actually trying to make it uh, a secondary job. Um, 
So really just figure it out, honestly. So for me, thus, the last two years, I've taken out cash games overall. Like the game selection has now been, I think it makes me a worse tournament player if I'm also trying to figure out cash game plays. So I know my goal and I also understand the variance that comes in tournaments. So that's why I then created the game selection. We talked about it last week too, but I now only do single entries as opposed to trying to expand my thoughts and fill a 20 entry, 150 max tournament. That's not for me because that's not my goal. So I prefer like that to just dwindle it down, know, understand the variance, and then play single entries practically only. Uh, are you playing across multiple sites? Do you have a site that, that you prefer? I do. I love both DraftKings and FanDuel because they offer something completely different. But if you told me like to pick one, it'd be FanDuel. Everyone should play on FanDuel. Sure, sure. What is the difference between uh, the two sites and, and how, how do you decide how much you're going to play on one site versus the other? Maybe you should ask yourself first, are you more comfortable with go, like scrambling on FanDuel, for instance, knowing that touchdowns are practically all that matter and thus understanding the variance in touchdowns, which leads you to ugly and lineups that make you completely uncomfortable. I find those fun as hell. I love the chaos of FanDuel because like usually when when the the tournament garners around or goes around one singular player, you can just pivot off and you find player with also to high touchdown variance. And so but the issue is some people may not be comfortable with that. Some people may not want to actually want to put 2 to 10% of their bankroll, right? Like since it should actually go down playing higher variance games. You should play less of what you're comfortable with. So some people may not want to do that altogether. And if that's the case, yes, I would say DraftKings for sure is more your game. But I, I prefer FanDuel personally because of that touchdown variance because it's it's completely different and thus it's easier to get unique. But also in that the tournaments they have structured are smaller tournaments, especially for my game type. So again, I'm answering for me personally because I, I know how I play, so it's not a big deal. But yeah, you have to understand also how you play. Uh, if you want to play, you know, the the 20 to 50 buck uh, large entry, like thousands of entries, that's okay. But I know for Fandle, for instance, I can go there and they have a 100, 200, 750 single entry. 750, honestly, with less than 50 people. That's an awesome format for me. Uh, pretty flat pretty flat, and even payout. DraftKings really doesn't have that offering. So that's how I look at it, honestly. Yeah, and it's I, I think it's really tough because the easy answer for someone like us is you we have a really big data set of um, results. Uh, I've been playing all the way back to like the draft day days, so I could plug it into to something like Rotor Tracker or my my personal uh, spreadsheet and look at those results, see how I'm doing. And, and I I still play cash games and and tournaments. And uh, like you said, I've uh, it's weighted a lot more heavily towards tournaments. Um, and we could get into this a little bit when we talk about the actual game selection part. Um, but for the average player, and even even for us with the, with, the, with the big sample, it's hard to know your true win rate or expected value in daily fantasy, especially if you only play NFL uh, because the sites are changing every year. The games have changed. Salary might evolve. You're evolving as a player. And then on top of it, if you're playing mostly tournaments, it's really hard to understand how good or bad you, you really are. Obviously, if you're just constantly trending in, in the wrong direction, um, you're probably doing something wrong. But... I think you have to um, go with the game that, that fits your eye the best, like you said, and understanding the uh, nuances of 
the different sites and even understanding uh things like um you know niche sites like yahoo's kind of big i wouldn't i don't know if it's considered a niche site like it's big enough but uh other options so f yeah for me like DraftKings has fits my fits my eye better and i have played started to play there more so whereas early on in my dfs journey i would kind of split it evenly between sites whether i was playing on two sites four sites or five sites um that now that i know that i i do better on DraftKings, naturally i play more on DraftKings, I still play on on FanDuel, but um, for example, I've completely eliminated FanDuel cash games from my uh, from my game selection because FanDuel, like you said, is a it's a higher variance scoring setting because it's half PPR. You don't get yardage bonuses, so touchdowns are much more weighted. So you're going to get a little more variance there. And on top of that, salaries on FanDuel and I haven't looked at them yet, they just released, uh, you know, maybe less than an hour ago, have typically been a little bit softer. So it makes it even harder to uh, just grind out those really small value edges. Whereas when you could find the upside, you do really well. So, I mean, you mentioned when, if you are playing on FanDuel and maybe you haven't as much, maybe playing a slightly smaller percentage of your bankroll. Is there anything in particular that, that you'll notice that will have you kind of ring in your bankroll a little bit or, on the opposite where you might play a little bit higher than you usually might? Uh, some weeks will actually make me take down and withdraw from tournaments. I think that was the case last year, for instance, during the Dearness Johnson, Mark Ingram chalk week, when Kamara and Chubb got ruled out, Kamara essentially got ruled out overnight with COVID and you had to play Ingram and Dearness, who I both believe finished as top 10 running backs because we knew they were going to get 20 to 25 touches uh, and they were stone men. And I just think I, I genuinely with the entire pool, like then my game theory for DFS tournaments becomes, well, I have to like not play one of those maybe right. to, in order to take down a tournament with the uniqueness, which is basically just banking on injury. And when it comes down to that, that's a game I don't want to play. So I will actually withdraw definitely from tournaments quite often. Yeah, and and what you've said right there, it's something that I have talked about in in one form or the other, whether it be in an article or in a podcast for uh, going back years. And and I, there was a few years ago where there was just this huge debate about this, and my thinking was that, and what you're talking about is when if we say we get like two midweek injuries, and all of a sudden you on Fanduel you get two five K running backs that open up all of a sudden project for for twenty touches. Um, the problem with that for me is yes you do have those obvious plays and you i guess you can make the argument if you are playing cash like you can just make the rest of the field play those plays and you're going to play them and it looks like an obvious lineup sure the problem for me overall is that when those huge values do open up it just becomes a pick em game right because if you have two or three guys that are the stone men are close to it and then you could just play the studs it's like okay all these studs are have the live can go off anytime. Anybody can play anyone they they want. So we get like a lot of these instead of in tournaments where a lot of times you're two v two, hopefully one v one or not even that. You're getting like these lineups where it's three v three, two v two everywhere. So you're just getting a ton of overlap. It turns into a pick 'em game. So in those situations, I will usually dial back my overall money in play and actually not withdraw from tournaments but just be my percentage of play sometimes i'll place maybe some um 
just some higher variance contests than I usually might. Not not more money, but just higher variance, maybe higher fields, because it's just a week that's lending itself to super high variance. But overall, my overall money in play is is um, kind of getting reined in a little bit. Are there times when you are when you see something where you will take a shot, whether it be move up in stakes or have more money in play? Is there anything that stands out when you do that? Not really. I pretty much make sure, and this really comes down to bankroll, honestly, I make sure I'm in the same tournaments every week. Uh, because if I can't afford those tournaments, then I'm obviously not planning my bankroll right. So honestly, I don't add more unless it's a week where I think everyone else is uncomfortable. And like I, I've made decisions already. It's like, actually, I see the field this way. Uh, I may be wrong, so I may, I may play a couple more tournaments. But Overall, yeah, uh, unless I think I really do have an edge over the field for whatever reason that might be, a lot of the time it is everyone's talking about one thing and it's something I see differently. Like last year, for instance, I'm going to pat myself on the back real quick because uh, I jumped on a, a DFS show by myself for the wild card round when Cowboys 49ers and there was a tell in the way Prescott was playing post-injury when he was under pressure and everyone picked the Cowboys of course everyone wanted to play the Cowboys and CeeDee Lamb in particular and I was not on it whatsoever I thought uh, 49ers Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel given that the Cowboys had allowed over five yards per carry to 11 personnel which the 49ers played at a heavy rate in the second half of the season I thought that was the real tale and no one was on it you could tell by what was being talked about was garnering ownership so in those situations I actually will go overweight because I think I see something with the research that no one else sees uh, but fortunately, you know, if that's the case, it'll be on our DFS shows this this year in season. Yeah, and did you say that that was the a wild card week, a playoff week? It was a wild card, yes. Which so, is so, smaller pools, as we know. Exactly. So I was actually going to say that's really interesting. You said that because one of well, there, there's two ways that I'll usually end up slightly over my bankroll. One of them, and you should be playing multiple slates, often comes when I've already plan to play say the afternoon slate it's very hard to chase overlay uh on sunday morning one because most of the tournaments like fill on sundays um and, and it's hard to be looking at the main slate be doing all your lineup setting and then keeping an eye on say like a uh early only slate looking for overlay on that but those afternoon slates a lot which are very similar to those wild card round slates where you might only have three or four games on the slate a lot of times we'll see overlay on those and i i don't know maybe there's like a a, a tournament that's a couple hundred bucks that i didn't plan on playing but if there's some crazy overlay then those are the spots that i will especially if i have a really good read i don't have an example off the top of my head but there have been this those situations where you can get some some really strong reads on what the field's going to be doing or some late news in that that um 4 p.m window where you can you know um kind of uh uh be really contrarian on a, on a pretty small player pool. And the other one is just there, there are some really big overlay opportunities, especially early in the year. And I think that's another reason to talk about this, um, this early in the season is in week one is when the sites are just going to throw the craziest promos, the craziest um, uh, games at you. Yahoo hasn't released their salaries or games yet. The last couple of years, their big tournaments or, you know, two, their biggest two or three tournaments early in the season have been no overlay. Um, I'm sorry, no um, rake. They call it a game management fee. And they're still not filling on top of it. So even if I was, you know, planning on playing a few of those games, if I just see that value opportunity um, where a 
a 20,000 person field is like essentially turning into like what like a 50 50 because they're not charging rake and it's not filling um, like those are opportunities that are, are really hard to pass up. Now, I'm not going to turn my $1,000 in play to $2,000 in play. That's just dumb. Uh, but have, you know, have a um, like a, a tolerance percentage. If you usually play 10% of your bankroll, maybe that week I'll play 12% or something. And, and that's another thing that you noted. Um, you're being very uh, rigid in the tournament you're playing every week. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Also, you should be, since we're on bankroll, building it now. Uh, if there is, you should not be going up higher in stakes. But for instance, I knew there was a chance, a chance, even if it was with a friends, I played in the week one uh, 4K Millie Maker. four 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 to enter. Smaller prize pool, but you still get Millie at the top, which is what I prefer as opposed to like a $20 dart throw. I'm not going to win that thing ever. It doesn't matter. Um and so knowing that, I then saw what they offered in preseason games, and I played a three-man $121 tournament. You only got to win one, and you get a 4K entry. And I took it down in the Hall of Fame game. So, like, if you know you're going to be playing, let's just even say the $20 Millie Maker, and they're offering right now, like, a 20-man $3 tournament, this is the time to be taking advantage of it. Every single preseason slate, if you're playing preseason DFS, which I imagine you are, if you're playing Week 1 DFS, Literally just click on those tickets and qualifier and satellite label and absolutely take advantage of every single higher stake tournament you would be playing by chipping away at those tournaments. Now's the time to build all your tickets. Yeah, that's that's a, a really, really good point. And I, I still do wonder. it literally every slate. I'll go in there and play a one dollar tournament if I think I'm gonna play like the nine dollar slant in week one because it's the biggest prize pool. Like it's the time to do it. Yep, and we'll get uh, to that a little bit more in the game selection, but getting out of the feature lobby and just understanding what is available, whether it's on FanDuel, DraftKings, um, again, I don't think Yahoo has anything up yet, but understanding what's available outside of that, just the main page on the lobby is very important. And I just want to make one last note on the actual bankroll management part is that uh, you mentioned just having that um, that solid plan for what tournaments you're going to play every week and that's why in the intro i discussed knowing what your true bankroll is for the whole season if you plan on replenishing 100 dollars on every site every single week um your bankroll is is 3600 right so you should be managing your percentage and play around that so if you plan on playing 10% of your bankroll if we start week one with $360 in play and the reason that we want that percentage is because obviously we're not going to win every week but hopefully we're also not going to lose every week so by understanding that percentage amount in play we can pick those tournaments that we can afford to play every week if we don't have this plan in place and you go into the lobby and you fire off 25% of your bankroll and you try to do that three weeks in a row tournaments really hard and you're going to be uh, you're going to be broke really quick completely agree um, let's talk about what, what you mentioned in terms of goal setting. And this is a, a pretty obvious conversation, but not one that I, I think a lot of people are honest enough with themselves about. So, I mean, you, you said you are, you, you've really transitioned to almost, well, not almost to exclusively tournaments. How, how do you, um, reconcile that as somebody like uh, you're, you're a smart dude, you're, you're sharp and you're not just like a, a blind gambler. You're trying to do this to, to profit and to be winning. How do you reconcile being an exclusive tournament player with like the, the huge variance that comes with it? Like what would you, how would you define a goal in that sense? Spike results. 
you obviously, as every pro even will tell you, you obviously go through terrible stretches that could even affect your mental health. Like you legitimately have to be prepared for tournament play if you're playing like high stakes tournaments in particular, but even lower, like obviously, as we know, the $3, $5, $9, $1, uh, Although I definitely support anyone who wants to play it, you just remember have to ask yourself, like, how often am I comfortable not winning? Because most of the time, you're just not going to win those. Uh, and yes, winning one will definitely set you up for the next three or four seasons. But then also, again, I don't know if you're going to win in the next three or four seasons either, those tournaments, because they're, they're, they're so top-heavy and large field. So it's okay as long as you're having fun, for sure. But I, th I think... Honestly, every question we ask, the answer just comes back to goal setting. Like, what are you trying to do? If you're trying to have fun, it's okay. But if not, yeah, I, I understand the variance it takes. I understand I have to have a, I have to literally break my brain to play. But that's why, as you mentioned earlier, in scaling back, whenever there's no challenge or no puzzle, uh, that's what I love. I love the challenge and puzzle, and that's what I look for in it. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people get into DFS, and obviously um, these sites are are pushing these big games just by them being on the front page. These super high high field, super top heavy game structures, and I, I think a lot of DFS players think that they want to play those, but when it comes to actually losing money, that they are way more conservative than they realize. And that doesn't mean you have to just straight be a cash game player because. Another factor is the edge in cash games, the edge in DFS overall has shrunk a lot. And whether you're going to be good at cash games or GPPs, you're going to have to put in a lot of work. But if you are not comfortable losing uh, a, a decent percentage of your bankroll or a decent percentage of whatever you have as expendable income for DFS relatively fast or in, in pretty big losing streaks, there's a good chance that tournaments or large field tournaments just aren't for you. Um, there are other games that are available. There are very small, like 100, 200 man tournaments that are worth only a couple bucks. You're not going to win, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in those, but you might be able to return a steady profit and your mentals might just be better because you're not going to be, um, you, the likelihood of you going through weeks or even months of losing is way more likely. So I, I think a lot of people just don't take the time to understand like what they're really trying to get out of this game. Yes. And again, that's why it comes down to game selection and yes, what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do is genuinely the most important question you'll ask yourself in DFS. Yeah, um, and let, let's let's talk uh, some about our game selection. And I know you've you've got away from cash games, but like I said, I'm still still playing them, and I still still think there are a a lot of really important lessons to learn if you're going to be um, a profitable player in either facet of the game. And whether this is, I, I have this under the cash game notes, but um, it, it's also something that you can apply to tournaments. One thing that somebody can do if they are trying to kind of smooth out the variance of their um of their buy-ins is spreading out your buy-ins across as many games as possible i know me and you like to play single entry we like to play three max higher stake stuff but for example if you're if you're a cash game player i see so many people that if they want to play cash games and they have 25 bucks they'll just throw it into a 25 dollar double up not thinking about what double up is and not understanding the uh, binary nature of a game like that. You're either going to win your $25, you're going to turn it into 50 bucks. In a game that's not even paying out 50% of the field, it's paying out like 44%. I think the average person that wants to get better at cash games and wants to smooth out their variance, if you can afford to play 
20 to 50 head-to-heads each buy level, you can do that because then you are going to get a true reflection of how good you are playing at cash games. And another thing that I think people do wrong with cash games is they don't give themselves the opportunity to recognize the upside of their um, cash games lineups when they do hit. uh, The the perception of cash games is you need to almost be profitable every week because you have no upside in them. And to to a degree that is true, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be putting your cash games in other games. And what I, I think you should be taking your cash game lineups, you should be putting them not just in head-to-heads, but in three-mans, ten-mans, double-ups. And then another thing, don't put them in large-field tournaments. I think a lot of people think, oh, I put this in a large-field tournament. If it hits perfectly, I win $10,000. It's just not going to happen. You're not building a cash game lineup. The game, is, to, the game to... has changed too much for that. Uh, I used to get away with it even like three or four years ago, but admittedly, like I never took anything down, and the game has gotten so much sharper each and every year. So the way I've reconciled that, and I'm going to use DraftKings as my example since there are, uh, since that's where I play uh, DraftKings and, and the one thing is they do offer offer a lot of just these random games. I put my depending on how much you're you're playing, there's there's different levels. I think there's one, three, five, and and nine are the ones that that I look at. Put your cash game in these winner take all tournaments, and usually they're like sixty or or less um, entries. I think the one I play, if I remember correctly, is forty five dollars. And if you hit that once, it pays for a lot of really down weeks. So there are ways to build upside into your cash games now the percentage of play is going to be a little different for everybody depending on how risky or conservative you are last year i was playing about 65 percent of my action in head-to-heads uh another 10 percent to 15 percent in double ups and then the rest of that in three mans 10 mans and then whatever was the most comfortable winner take all um buy-in for me um so I, I know you don't have too much to say on cash games but any any notes on just like those just those smaller um those smaller games like three mans 10 mans or even like 200 man tournaments to be clear i didn't stop playing because i disagree with the idea of cash games i literally only stopped playing because it interrupted my process, I felt like. Uh, and maybe it was just too much to take on on a Sunday morning. And so I just, I play what I can handle and what I what I think is best. And I use Rototracker as well. But but honestly, once you figure out that, like what you're successful at, you know, they always say, uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But I've never agreed with that. I, I think honestly, if you just do you eventually just fall in love with what you're successful at, what you're good at, because people want to be, people want to be good. And that's what makes them happy at anything in life. And so like, if you're just winning money anyways, like, of course, I think cash games are, are absolutely the way to go. So again, you, you gotta, everyone's got to figure it out on their own. Yeah. So as in a little, as a little aside to that, um, well, cause I've, I've gone back and forth on this a lot and the something I kind of still struggle with myself and, and a question that I get is like, should people be playing on multiple sites and trying all these games or should they just have like a, a super narrow focus and try to get really good at, at one thing? And I think there's positive and negatives to both. But what was you like for a new new player? I, I think um, what would you suggest that they do? The game has advanced so much yeah. in the last few years. Um, I think I think early on it's really good just to it, with money that you can afford to lose to just kind of dabble and see what feels right to you um, and under, understand these different types of games. I, I think it's, um, it's really difficult to, 
have never played DFS before and just think like, I want to be a really good DraftKings tournament player if you've never played before because you don't you don't know what you don't know, right? So I, I think it's kind of a good idea to to I would say try out, you know, two sites, try out some really small tournaments and try out some small cash games. Um, you know, even if it even if you are giving up a little value in terms of, of game selection, giving yourself some exposure to see what it feels like and what the lineups look like. And if you do kind of have a, a natural brain for one of them. Yes, because even cash games nowadays, it used to just be about touches and floor, but even then people are taking far more chances based on salaries uh, for, for a higher ceiling to get an edge on the one V ones and two V two. So it's a, it's a different game as well. Yeah. Uh, as far as the tournaments that you are playing, I know you touched on, you like to play single interest. We both kind of trend towards those. When you're going into the FanDuel and DraftKings tournament lobbies, um, what are you seeking out in the lobbies? What What is the differentiator for you between a good game and a bad game that you want to play? I'll usually look at payout structure. That's the first thing I look at. Uh, rake typically goes down, as everyone knows, the higher stakes you play. So I'm not really paying attention too much to rake uh, unless they're purposely trying to pull the wool over my eye. Then that number stands out. Uh, but yeah, I will look at the payout structure and minimum payout to see what what how what percentage um men cash is receives so yeah that's that's kind of honestly what i look for yeah the um and that that's almost exactly what i do i'll, I'll filter by my uh typical buy-in range and it could vary you know just because you're playing say i don't know two grand in a week doesn't mean you're going to be playing um you know a, a $1000 tournament and a, a 777 tournament there are some some smaller buy-in tournaments that might have a slightly larger field than I would like that I might prefer because the structure is so good. And what you mean by the payout structure, I would suggest that most players look for the flattest payout structure possible. And we say a flat payout structure and there are, there are apps for this. I track this every week manually and, and post it in the four for four discord and, and usually tweet it out as well. Um, at least I'll tweet out the best games. When I say the best games, we're looking for games that are paying out the highest percentage of the field, the lowest percentage of the money possible going to first place. And then the way I do it is I compare, compare the 10th place money to the first place money. So we want that number to be as high as possible. And again, the, the minimum payout, which is kind of out of our control because they don't there's getting there's fewer fewer games that are giving you double your money for min cashing but if you could kind of hit all four of those marks a high percentage of the field being being paid out uh low percentage to first um high relative money uh 10th versus first and then relatively high minimum payout sure you might not turn your 100 dollars into 100,000 dollars but the livelihood of your bankroll is going to live much longer and then as you said the rake that is pretty much dependent on the stakes you're playing but if you're somebody that is always playing say um i don't even know if this is if they have this up right now but i'll just use it as an example if you always three max 25 dollar um uh, you know a, a 25 dollar tournament and there's a 75 dollar single entry that is a better structure you're getting a better structure probably a smaller field and a pretty significant drop in rake i think it, i think those two differences would probably be like 14.9 to to 12 i don't have the numbers in front of me um but so even though you're 
only going to be playing one lineup instead of three. I think I'd rather be playing one lineup in that scenario than have three bullets in a worse structure, a bigger field and a higher rake, right? Everything you just said. Yes. Yeah. Um, now another thing that, that I'm curious about, and this is another thing. This is actually one of the things that will change week to week for me. Uh, even though you're playing single entry tournaments, how many across both sites, how many single entry tournaments are you pick typically um, picking out? And then are you, is there, are there any times where you're taking one lineup and playing it in multiple tournaments or are you playing different lineups in every single tournament? I actually play the same lineup, which again, I, I know not everyone does, uh, but I understand the variance. I also, I mean, I, I do this for a living. So I, I, I do all the research over every game and feel like I don't have many blind spots. Maybe so, but yeah, no, I, I just play one lineup. I literally play one lineup. It's, but again, this is what has become comfortable for me. And that's how I dwindle it. I I'm playing the same tournaments over and over again, every week. It doesn't change from there. Cause that means I'm doing and using the correct game selection and bankroll. Cause those of historically what I've been successful at. No. And, and that's why I ask you because I, it's, I would say, how many lineups do I play where there's cash your tournament is probably the most frequent question I get. And it's a tough one to answer because I don't know all the stuff we've talked about, the person's bankroll, what their goals are, um, how long they've been playing, what sites they're playing on. It's not going to be the same for everybody. And I think it's really interesting to hear what every other pro or uh, you know DFS player or DFS expert is doing because the approaches are really different. I play i don't play one tournament in gpps every week but say i have a let's just say for simplicity's sake there's a three max tournament i really like i'll take my three lineups from that tournament and i'll find three different single entries to put those in um so sometimes that's a way that i will um kind of give myself a, a chance to play multiple lineups but also give myself maximum upside with that lineup so it's not just in the three max tournament if it does hit uh again let's just for for argument's sake let's just say there's all these games at the same buy-in level and it fits my bankroll if there's a 150 dollar three max and then three 100 single entries that i like i'll take all three of my lamps from the three max and put them in the single entry so that's kind of where I, I lean towards looking for a three max game that I really like and then looking for at least three or whatever multiple of, of three I can find, six single entry tournaments that I like. So I'm usually playing three lineups and then in a lot of single entry tournaments. And I'll do that for, for both sites. So a typical week for me will usually have six lineups, three on DraftKings and three on Fan, And that's per, per slate for me. Which is also not much compared to what a lot of other people do. Right. Um, are, and then on that note, are you, how are you approaching multiple slates? It's practically, you- the, it's practically the same thing for me. When I play multiple slates, uh, I know which stacks I like and which mm-hmm. stacks I'm avoiding yeah. for ownership reason. And that's it. And so if I'm playing a smaller slate, that may actually give me an opportunity to just be diversify off the stack I avoided in another slate yes. because strictly because the pool is going overweight on that particular stack. And so exactly. that's how I play them. It's it's the same research, except you mix in as what DFS simply is, what everyone else is doing, and not everyone does the same thing from slate to slate. And that segues perfectly to, to the next point that I wanted to make is another question I get a lot um, in is should we be, and this 
bleeds into lineup building and lineup construction, but I actually, it's actually a hidden game. It's really a game selection question. People just don't realize it is if they should be hedging with their lineups or not. And I do exactly what you just said is that if I say I have a stack that, um, I want to use, but for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense to use in, in the main slate lineup. And that is in the, that slate does fall in the afternoon slate of games. Uh, that stack falls in the afternoon slate of games. That's how I am, am quote unquote hedging. And it's not even like I'm going out of my way to play it in this slate and not that slate. But if you're playing multiple slates, that's naturally going to take care of itself, right? You're just going to end up playing players that are they're on the main slate and they're on the small slate, but they just make more sense on the small slate. And that's where our hedge comes from. And that's the week-to-week game we play. That's what makes every slate fun. Because yeah. they're literally uh, always all different. Yeah, one one thing that since since you and I do play almost all single entry and three max, one thing I would suggest to players that are thinking about being mass multi-entry players, if you want to play 150 max games, the most overwhelming thing is obviously just building 150 lineups, and you need to be using, um, you know, some kind of model using the 4 for 4 lineup generator and, and pulling your lineups from there. And the actual practice of playing 150 lineups and saving your games and then importing them is just—it just takes some getting used to. It's actually very, very easy. I would suggest those players start with 20 max games. There's a lot of really like the. I would say the sweet spot on DraftKings, if you're kind of new and you don't know if you want to be a single entry player or a mass multi-entry player, is those 20 max games. For some reason, they're often like structured really well. I don't know if that's by design, but a lot of those games are structured really well. And it's a nice, happy medium where you can hand build 20. It'll take some time, but you can also use a lineup generator. So I would really suggest newer players that aren't sure to check out the, those 20 max games a lot. I, I think we've kind of covered the the other big questions uh, that I had about game selection in the bankroll management page. Is there any like just general starting out advice that you would give uh, to somebody that, again, they can find a million ways to build lineups and be try to be good at DFS, whether it's cash game or tournaments, but that is overlooked or, or that you notice with game selection and bankroll management? Not so much in that. It really comes down to building more than anything and i would just keep emphasizing get comfortable being uncomfortable that's really the only way mm. to play this game yeah absolutely and and one thing that we kind of glossed over kind of quickly earlier is that um early in the season there are a lot of offers to whether it be um sign up yes. bonuses free rolls um just early on in, in week one i i think it's 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 going to be overwhelming because all the sites are going to be throwing tons of stuff at you. But the the best value is going to be in week one. There's going to be a ton of opportunities for free rolls. There's going to be a ton of sign-up bonuses. If you haven't played on sites before and you're thinking about it early in the year is the time to do it. And if you are still a novice player, one thing to look for in these lobbies, there's a lot of beginner games. So if you are that you and I can't enter in these games and DraftKings and FanDuel both have uh, games that are exclusively for beginners, depending on how many games you've played, how much money you've played on the site before seek those out. And the best players in the world can't even get in them. So that's a really good spot to, to be cutting your teeth. Um, and, and, and if you are good, have a really big edge because you're going to play a lot against, against a lot of other beginners. And early in the year uh, is when, 
you know, a lot of the the softest players in the field are going to be there because uh, if they are if they are that bad, they're going to burn out and not be able to be playing all, all year. So um, I, I would really encourage everybody to hash out your bankroll and game selection plan. Again, if you go into the DFS strategy hub, there are tons of articles and, and other uh, podcast episodes similar to this. Uh, so it, it can really prepare you and give you a plan um, before you get ready uh, for the season. I think that about covers it all. Yeah, man. So uh, as we mentioned last week uh, before the Hall of Fame game, now we have a full slate of preseason games coming up this week. We have Pat James and Tim Talmadge on the hunt, getting you ready for those. Also, they will be in the 444 Discord, so make sure you get signed up for the 444 Discord. If you are listening on your uh, favorite podcast provider, please give us a five-star rating review. It helps out a ton. If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, like and subscribe to our channel and make sure you're following us on Twitter. John Daigle is at not J Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Four for four is at four for four football. We will be back next week with a first look at those Fandle salaries that just dropped. Talk to you guys then.